Welcome to the Chad G. Ortho OT Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Guerrero. I'm an orthopedic occupational therapist, strength and conditioning coach, sports trainer, and I hold over 40 specialty certifications in manual therapy, orthopedics, and sports medicine. On this podcast, we will discuss everything orthopedic therapy, sports medicine, and more. If you're a therapist, health and fitness professional, or someone just wanting to learn more about the orthopedic and sports medicine world, then this is a podcast for you. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Chad G Ortho T Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Guerrero. And today we're going to talk about what to expect if you're thinking of having a knee replacement. All right, so a lot of times, and, and, and something that, you know, a lot of patients come in and they didn't have any idea of really what they were expecting or, you know, what to expect and what was going to happen and how this was all going to go. And, you know, it's all kind of confusing sometimes. You get, you know, after you're leaving the hospital or whatever and you get some instructions and usually have a family member or caregiver is getting those instructions because, you know, you're medicated. And so you may not remember, um, you know, everything that was said and kind of what you need to do and, and things to take care of at home. And if you, you know, if you get home health, um, it, it could be, you know, a few days before you, uh, you know, see a therapist, which a lot of times they should do it. You should usually start the next day. Um, that day in the hospital or, you know, in recovery, they get you up and they walk you around. So there's a couple of different routes that you can go or a few different routes that you can go because some people may get home health. Some people may go inpatient therapy um, for a while. Um, and then some may go straight to outpatient if they have someone to take them to outpatient therapy, which when I got out of school, um, you know, back in 2005, everybody usually was going to be staying, you know, at the hospital, uh, maybe you know, for a couple of 10 to 14 days, you know, just kind of give or take, you know, had to get the knee bent to 90 degrees uh, before you could go home in a lot of cases. And then had to be able to do some, some basic self-care type things as far as like your uh, bathing and dressing and things like that. And you could go home or you could transfer from the hospital um, to an inpatient skilled nursing facility. And you were there for a little while, you know, and then maybe you transferred uh, to outpatient, but uh you know, different physicians now do it just differently. You know, we have some that, that like to go, you know, straight into home health for a couple of weeks um, if you can't get out and about. And then some go straight into outpatient therapy. Um, so it just depends on the physician. And so basically what you're looking at, you know, when you come out of uh, surgery, it, it's really I've seen, I, I'm going to say four different types of things recently or trends. Um one physician that I know of immobilizes the knee, so you're in a your knee is out straight, immobilized in this big, uh, long lower extremity immobilizer brace, and the only time that comes off is when you go to therapy, and they do things with the leg of the you know lower extremity or the hip and the and the back or whatever the ankle what all they're working on, and then you're going to go back into this long straight brace. That's probably the most, I don't want to say uncommon, but it's 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 less common. Uh, that you see that, but that is one. I know of one physician in particular that does that, um, and those do well. You don't really have to worry about those having that uh, lag or getting behind with the ability to straighten out the knee, which we'll talk a little bit about that a little further in. But um, so that that's one technique. Another one, and this one was one that's been around for a long time. The the patient is sent home with one of those uh, CPMs or continuous passive motion machines, where you know you're lying in the bed and that thing is set and 
you put your your leg in it and you know kind of it goes back and forth and just kind of cranked on as much movement as possible is, is fine um, sometimes positions have some pr- little precautions on ranges of motion they don't want it to go into but usually it's just whatever you can tolerate um, and then getting into even more common uh, the, uh, the electronic bicycle uh, kind of a, a situation that has you have this um, kind of thing stuck on the outside of the leg and that measures the range of motion so you can see where the range of motion is and kind of track your progress with that um, I know there's a physician in uh, Shreveport Louisiana because I'm out of Louisiana so there's a physician there in Shreveport that's a big fan of that and likes for you to use that you know four or five times a day and those patients do really well uh, as well and then you have the ones that just go home and there's no bicycle there's no no anything like that and that's probably the most common that i've seen in the last few years um you know no continuous passive motion type stuff it's just basically move it walk as much as you can use the leg as much as you can that kind of a thing so um so that's kind of what you're looking at uh, when you're discharged those are the different approaches that physicians would use now Um, You're going to be using a walker in most cases. You're going to be on a rolling walker or something like that, Um, you know, for for a few days, some people, a few weeks. It just depends. The biggest thing is you have to have that return of uh, motor control and strength of the thigh muscle, also known as the quad or the quadricep, uh, because, you know, you want to make sure we have that nice and uh, it's not going to be strong, but stronger and a little more stable and your balance, you know, a little more confident with your balance and ability to, to hold your weight because I want you to fall. And then obviously things like the hamstrings important, the calf, the tip anterior, all these other muscles in the leg. Um, but you're going to be on a walker. Um, initially, when you come to therapy, you know, a lot of people are, are pretty apprehensive. You know, I mean, I, I get it. You're nervous. You don't know, you know, they're going to shovel my leg or they're not going to shovel my leg, you know, because they got to keep it bending and moving because you don't want to have scar tissue build up. And uh, so a lot of times you come in. Um, provided that you're able to have like electrical stem, like an NMES, neuromuscle, uh, muscle electrical stimulator, uh, using like Russian uh, E-stem or biphasic E-stem, those types of things to put on the quad, um, you know, to kind of jumpstart things and start to have you move when the machine is kicking off and on, kind of stimulating the muscles. Think about it like jumper cables in the muscle. Um, and then um, maybe biofeedback is very, very effective. You can put that biofeedback where you don't feel anything, but you're looking at a screen or a tablet and uh, there's some electrodes that are on there. And so you see, you know, you're looking at that and you can kind of gauge, you know, what kind of contraction that you're having. So you use that, Um, you know, so that's another, you know, kind of another trick that you use is using the biofeedback on the quad and or the hamstring. You can put it wherever, but that's the most common places that that's put um, to try to get things jump started. And then, you know, as far as like range of motion, things like that, um, you know, you don't have to get super crazy with it, but you don't, the, you want to make sure that we don't get any scar tissue buildup, right? So we start range of motion, passive range of motion movements where we're passively moving the knee or your therapist is passively moving the knee into extension, straightening it out, and then also bending it, you know, going underneath you, um, as well as also doing uh, or having um, um, you know, stretches, you know, passive stretches uh, joint, or joint mobilizations, like maybe not necessarily like of the uh, femoral joint with, you know, where it joins with the tibia, but 
like the the kneecap itself so patella mobs you know to try to reduce any scarring that may occur in there so you'll do those and then do some active exercises like you know quad sets and straight leg raises or active assisted straight leg raises you're going to be able to do a full straight leg raise and the physician may have a protocol against that where they don't want that done um until long down the road but you're going to do some active movements and things like that so just easy stuff but just mainly getting the mobility going and trying to activate the thigh um, the hamstring you know really all the muscles in the leg as fast as possible you know to get them back you know kind of kick back in uh, to gear uh, to start going again focusing on walking you know precautions going over precautions both with your mobility you know just just walking around in general and transferring getting up and down out of the chairs and uh, maybe getting in and out of the car bath you know shower bath those kind of things which if you were inpatient then they probably have already went over a lot of that stuff with you and so you know you you may get you know you may um, you in other words that may have already occurred and so when you go to outpatient you're kind of past a lot of that now we're just advancing some things so and, and a lot of this i'm talking about just that basic start with the electric stem and some of the movements and things like that that you're going to do that's really more like right after the knee replacement not saying you still wouldn't have those things done, you know, even if you come like after you had, um, you know, home health or whatever first, but, um, you know, just kind of speaking just, just directly afterwards. Um, some of the things that you're going to notice is obviously going to be swelling, you know, pain, swelling, tenderness, um, not just around the knee, but you may also notice that, um, down around the ankle area, uh, on the shin, sometimes that's just from handling or how your your leg may or may not have been strapped in to stabilize. So that's all normal. You know, some redness is normal. Uh, obviously, the disclaimer on this is always follow the instructions of your physician or your you know discharge facility or your therapist, etc. Because anything I talk about in this podcast does not replace in person medical advice. But um, you know, you want to uh, some of the redness and all that is normal. Um, some of the discharge may be normal as well around your replacement, uh, the incision site. Um, some people may have uh, a bandage that's going to be left on for, you know, maybe anywhere from 10 days to 14 days. I've, I've seen it at different lengths of time. Um, you know, so that may be on there where the physician doesn't want that removed. You may also, uh, or it may be a situation where whenever you go to therapy, the therapist changes the bandages and, and all that and, you know, right then and, um, so I've seen it both ways. It just depends on the physician. If you're used to, you know, if your therapist obviously has worked with your physician a lot, they kind of know what they like and how they like things done. So they're going to go by that route. But a lot of times they'll change addressing now. Um, it is not uncommon uh, also for the, the foot to want to turn outwards whenever you're walking. That's called out-toeing. So you may notice that. That's normal. Um, anytime you have like a knee surgery, especially of, of really any kind, you're going to notice that foot wants to turn out. So Correcting that is something the therapist will go over you with, and that, that's just take a little time. Also, uh, having a good heel strike when you're walking so that your heel hits first and you push off your toe, that's all things that um, that will be encouraged by your therapist. And as you increase your ability to straighten out your knee, that heel strike ability where the heel hits, that will get better as well. Um, and that's why it's so important to be able to get the knee straight uh, or flat, you know, if you're, if you're lying on your back getting it flat. Um, so that will happen. Any popping or clicking that you may notice um, over time, it may not be doing it initially. It may do it eventually. That's all normal stuff in most cases as well. Uh, that's just kind of everything, just settling a little bit and kind of adjusting. Just, you know, your body kind of acclimating to everything. 
So some of that is normal as well. Um, and the swelling is going to vary. Like you're going to have some initially, obviously there's some swelling, then it may go down. But then the more that you start doing, the more that you're on your, your leg and putting pressure through the knee and using the knee, you may no, notice more swelling. And so you may lose some of the range of motion. So don't get discouraged. Maybe yesterday you had 115 degrees of flexion where you're able to bend the foot you know, back like you're going to kind of kick yourself in your, in your butt. Uh, and then maybe today it's only 100 degrees. So because of some of that excess of swelling that you've had because you're walking and you're doing more, it may not always stay, you know, right there at that 115 or 120 or whatever that number is, wherever you are. Um, so don't be alarmed by that. That's that's normal for it to kind of fluctuate and go up and down. Um, now, obviously, if you have in the in the calf area behind the knee, if you have an area that becomes very warm to touch, it's red, maybe has a red line or a streak. Um, you push on it, and it's very very painful. Um, that could be a sign of a blood clot. So you definitely want to have that checked out. There's a test for that that you can do just, or your therapist may do the, um, the Holman sign, Holman's test they may do. Um, and then, but you know, you need to have things like, a you know, a Doppler or something like that done to try to, to try to rule out a, you know, a possible blood clot. So I have had a couple of patients over the years have, have blood clots. It's not very common, but um, and that I've seen, but it, it can happen. And a lot of times you're wearing those compression garments or TED hoses, you know, you want to wear those just like your physician recommends. It's important that, you know, helps to reduce the chances of developing blood clots. And so, um, anyway, and you may also notice some numbness on the outside of your knee and that's normal. Uh, that may stay like that for a while. I had people for years that stayed, you know, numb like that and that's okay. Um, so it's not a huge deal. So you may notice some of that. You may also notice on the outside of the knee, uh, running up to your hip, you may end up having some pain. A lot of times that's your iliotibial band or IT band where that inserts in the knee. And that's from some of the muscles in the, uh, the hip, the, the TFL muscle, part of the glute muscle can become a tight and spasm due to compensation, what's called a whip, a movement um, of your leg, even subconsciously, you're not realizing you're doing it. So that may start to happen. You may develop some of that. That's all treatable stuff. Your therapist will be aware of that and just let them know. And then they'll, you know, kind of work on that area and, and go through some things to try to mitigate that and, and make that better. Um, so that's not uncommon as well. Um, range of motion wise, again, we want the knee to go flat. And let's say that you're female. And, because, and I say female because a lot of times females are a little more hypermobile. Um, and let's say that your unaffected knee or your non-surgical knee is has maybe 10 degrees of hyperextension. You know, it kind of bends backwards the other way. It's not just getting to zero. So then on the surgical knee, I would like for the surgical knee to get as close to the non-surgical knee as possible. Um, so just stopping at zero, is, you know, may not necessarily be ideal. If you can get a few degrees of hyperextension to make them match as much as you can, that evens things out and it reduces your chances of having some sort of compensation whenever you walk and things like that. Um, and, but if you can't get the knee flat, that's this is probably the biggest um, worry is if you get to a point where you can't get the knee uh, flat, and it's normal at first for it may, you know, not to go flat. You may be lacking 20 degrees from it going all the way flat. Some cases I've seen 30 degrees, but I like to see 20 degrees or less when you come in. Um, you know, if it gets to that point where you can't get it flat, 
then that can cause some problems. And once you're behind on that, that's very difficult uh, to, to, to regain that. So you definitely want to make sure um, that you are doing a lot of stretching to get it flat. And the, and the big tip with this is don't put anything behind the knee. Like don't roll up a towel or a pillow and prop it up behind your knee. I know that feels better. You are better off to float the knee. So basically put your pillow or your towel or whatever you're going to put underneath the calf area so that the, the back of the knee is not touching anything. And it's just kind of floating there. And just like gravity and the weight of the leg itself, just kind of pull that down and straighten that out. Because by putting something behind the knee, you're encouraging that what's called flexion contracture to happen. And uh, that's going to be a real issue because the a muscle back behind there called a popliteus muscle, it helps to uh, to flex the knee, to, like, to bend the knee back underneath your, or bring your foot towards your butt. But it also helps to unlock the knee when the knee is out straight. So there's a little bit of rotation that has to occur going from... Um, like an externally rotation or externally rotated knee a little bit. The tibia is a little externally rotated to a little internal rotation, just unlocking. So you definitely do not want to put something behind the knee. I mean, if it's just killing you and it's just throbbing, hurting, and you've got your ice on, which that's another thing about the ice, but and you want to put something behind there for a little bit, I mean, you know, a little bit, I guess, wouldn't hurt. But if you can avoid it, try not to put anything behind it. Um... And that's the other thing. Definitely use your ice machine. You know, a lot of people get those polar ice or some sort of ice machine, ice packs, frozen peas, whatever you got. Definitely keep icing. Even whenever it feels like it's not really hurting that much, even when you're going to therapy and you go home, still ice it every day. You know, just still try to control some of that swelling um, because even though everything may be healed or close to being healed, you know, the brain's still sending a ton of fluid there. So you definitely want to try to mitigate that and try to reduce as much swelling as you can. Um, so keep using, you know, using your eyes. I also tell people something that's really good to do is like sit in a rocking chair or sit on a, a swing on your porch um, or one of those glider chairs. Anything where you can put your your foot down and then move your knee into that flexion position is great to do. I mean, it's it's in most cases, it's not got, not going to hurt a thing in the world. The more that you do, the better it is, really, uh, you know, within reason. Um, so that's just kind of what you're looking at. Um, and like I said, you're, you'll start initially on, on a walker, and then you'll come off of that. Maybe you go to a cane, or maybe you go from the walker to nothing. It's just that's just therapist and physician discretion um, on that. And uh, But the more that you use it, you know, theoretically, the better it's going to do. And for a lot of people, something that I really encourage you to do is to go to therapy. You know, definitely finish your therapy visits. Um, when you get done with therapy, you know, continue your exercises, movement at home. Don't go to therapy for two or three months or whatever it is. Um, and every patient's different. You know, some patients like four weeks and you're good to go. It just depends on where your range of motion is. But definitely... Um, when you're done, don't just like, okay, I'm going to stop doing the movements and exercises and just walk around. That'll be good. Keep doing your exercises that you can do at home, you know, safely with whatever equipment that you have. Uh, and you don't always have to have equipment, but whatever you can do, make sure before you discharge that you go over with your therapist, you know, all the things that you can do at home to continue, you know, taking care of this to make sure that you don't backslide. Because I, I can assure you, I've seen a lot of people in almost 20 years that, uh, you know, they end up not having all the mobility they should have or the leg has been weak and it regressed and it hurts again and uh, just not a successful outcome 
you know, post-surgically. So, and, and, and they're really, the surgeons are really good at the techniques and all that they do now and, and, and how they, uh, uh, go about this and, and you can get a, a lot of use out of a knee replacement. It's not like I'm going to get a knee replacement in like five years. I'm going to have to have another one. No, they, they're really pretty good and they last a good while. Um, as long as everything is done, you know, not just surgically correct, but then everything is done correctly with your therapies. It's super, super important um, that you, that you find a, a therapist that's going to be really good at, you know, taking care of that. Um, you know, because it's if you if you go somewhere for therapy and then in and out like a twenty minute deal or thirty minute deal, and you pretty much just kind of did all your exercises yourself or whatever, um, I definitely find somewhere else to go because not everybody um, just I don't know has the same driver is created equal. I guess you'd say as far as uh, therapy, uh, you know, skills or whatever. So you want to make sure that you find somewhere that's really going to spend some time and work through all the questions and problems that you have. So I hope that helps everyone. Uh, just uh, if you have any questions with this, you can email me at chadgortho.t at gmail.com. You can also go over to my, uh, my website and uh, you can click on there. There's different ways to contact me on there, TikTok, uh, Instagram, um, you know, Messenger. There's all these different things you can click on that. And, uh, and reach me. Uh, uh, last side tidbit on this, there is a really, really neat, if you're a clinician and you're having trouble, you know, getting your patient to get that last bit of extension, that terminal extension of the knee, um, Edge Mobility Systems, which is owned by Dr. Urson Religioso, uh, a therapist and a friend of mine. If you uh, go to my website, go to the very bottom down there, and there is a link for Edge Mobility uh, Affiliate. If you will click on that, it will take you to his site and um, one of his sites. And there is something called the Knee Terminator, which is really, really good. It uses a, uses a cuff weight. And um, it is a good way to use a low load, uh, long duration stretch on the knee to try to get that last bit of, uh, you know, extensor uh, range of motion. So thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope that uh, you'll listen again. Please rate me five stars wherever you listen to this podcast. And you guys have an awesome day. This podcast is brought to you by Guerrero Rehabilitation setting the bar for rehabilitative and sports medicine care.